Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Well, welcome to our fall kickoff here at FBC. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, And like Doug said, man, if you are uh, new here, we're so happy that you're here and hope that you enjoy it and that you'll stick around for a little while. Um, Fall kickoff at FBC is definitely one of my favorite times of year. I love it. There's just so much going on. It's all exciting. We had uh, our big backyard barbecue yesterday, which was awesome. Uh, This morning uh, in FBC Kids, it's promotion day, kids moving into new small groups and rooms and stuff like that. After service today, it's Donut Sunday. Probably should have saved that for the last because that's probably the most exciting. We got youth kicking off tonight and senior high on Wednesday night. Um, And it's just such a cool time of year. It's also really cool for me because I've missed you guys. You know, I haven't been up here for it's been just a little over two months, and some of you have maybe really enjoyed the break, um, but unfortunately, I'm here again, so sorry for that, but um, yeah, I feel like it's just, uh, you know what, I'm doing this like every second week, I feel like a, a little detached from you guys over the summer. For those of you who don't know, I spent my summer out at uh, Pleasant View Bible Camp. We had almost 600 kids there uh, this summer, and uh, God was just doing incredible things all summer. Talcy and I got to lead the uh, LIT program, the leader and training program again this summer. Um, this is our ninth summer doing that, which is crazy. We were getting dangerously old, and uh, so it's crazy to be able to say, you get to a point in your life, you're like, I've been doing something for like a decade. That means like you're old, you know? So uh, we've been doing that for a long time, and it's been cool. Such a good summer. A um, couple other cool things for me happened this summer. We, uh, you've maybe heard that WestJet now like flies in and out of Lloyd Minster. So we were going to go to Kelowna to visit my, my family. And uh, we're like, well, we have this eight-month-old, so we should fly instead of drive. And so we booked our flights. And honestly, when I was booking the flights, I felt like a pioneer, you know, because I was like, WestJet just started flying out of Lloyd. We're some of the first. We're on one of the first boats. Well, it's a plane, actually. But we're like, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this thing. I will tell you that I also felt like a pioneer when we took that trip uh, because due to all of WestJet's uh, cancellations and delays with our flight, it took us from when our flight was originally supposed to leave Lloyd to when we got to landed in Kelowna. It was just over 32 hours. Uh, like, we... We went to Rwanda last year, which is in the middle of Africa, and it took us less time to get there. So uh, I definitely felt like a pioneer gearing up for this massive journey. So like I said, you've heard that WestJet flies in and out of Lloydminster. That's kind of true, kind of true. They're still maybe working it out a little bit. So. Speaking of our uh, little baby, you guys have probably heard that we have a, a baby. I talk about her a little bit, um, but uh, it, it's been so cool, man, just wrecking me, just seeing all these cool things she's up to and doing now. She's crawling all over the place. She does that. She stands, not like real standing, but that stand where she's like on the edge of something and dangerously like shaking and you're just like, which way are you going to fall so I can try to catch you before you hit your head on something else? Um, And it's been interesting now that she crawls all over the house, I realize like how dangerous basically every single thing is in the whole world, you know? She's like crying, like, oh no, that might kill you, that might hurt you, and it's been kind of eye-opening, because I'm like, Talcy, we have been living in a death trap for years, and we've survived it, but we haven't been aware that we're like on the brink of death pretty much every day of our lives, so it's been, and it's not just the stuff in our house, it's also the people in our house. Um, 
I'm telling you this story so you can't call child services because I'm being public about it, but um, the other day I was using the fridge, uh, which I do a lot, and um, I, she loves the fridge, and so she had like crawled up. I didn't notice behind the door, and she like grabbed onto the door, and she had a pretty firm grip, and she doesn't weigh very much, so I didn't know she was there. I slammed the fridge door, um, and, well, I mean, I didn't like slam it, but you know, uh, I shut it, and uh, you know, I don't want to exaggerate, but she probably like 12 feet in the air or something, but she went flying, hit her head on the tile floor, and I was just like, oh my goodness, like, I, how do human beings become adults? How do they not just die when they're babies? So it's been a really cool summer, but I'm so pumped to be back with you guys, and I'm looking forward to this fall uh, and all that. I'm looking forward to the series that we're doing, which I'll, I want to quickly give you guys a little bit of a rundown of what we're doing. Maybe you came to church, you've seen on our social media all these guns and stuff, and you're like, man, like, what? What is this place, you know? Um, and why do they have all these guns? And I want to spend the next five minutes just telling you about the series and where we're headed over the next five weeks, and then we'll hop into uh, this morning's message. So uh, in, in the New Testament, you can read these four books called Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, their story of Jesus. And John is, uh, the, the book of John is a little different than the other ones, because instead of just kind of opening with kind of a normal narrative about someone's life, John drops into like deep theology right away, and he starts making these claims about who Jesus is, like from the first few words. And, and in John 1, uh, John's talking about Jesus, and he describes him as the Word which, with like a capital W, and this means that Jesus is God. And then he goes on to describe him as the light of the world, one who saves. And just like that song we just sang, he talks about how people can become children of God through Jesus. And it's pretty cool. And he gets to verse 14. So John 1.14 says this, the word, speaking about God there, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So God like put on a human body and came and hung out with people here on earth, on the earth that he created, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. As you read through the Bible, you get this idea that there are kind of different pictures of, of God that we can get or of Jesus that we can get, you know, different sides that we see of him. You, you see different characteristics come out at different times. And this verse talks about how he came full of grace and full of truth. Now, we love grace Jesus. No problem with that, right? We love the Jesus that just, like, forgives and is kind and compassionate. The picture of Jesus stroking the, like, the little lamb that he's holding, which is funny because the Bible describes Jesus as a lamb, so it's really like a lamb holding a lamb. super weird. Um, but... It's, you know, we love the grace Jesus. He's nice. He's kind. He's who you want to have over for dinner. But then we see glimpses of truth Jesus. You know, there's grace and truth, truth Jesus. And we don't like this Jesus as much. This Jesus is uncomfortable. And you see that his early audiences didn't really like him that much either. They found him to be uncomfortable as well. And, And the reason why is because the truth hurts. Like real hard, honest truth hurts. You've maybe experienced this. Maybe you've watched like America's Got Talent or some of like the idol shows and stuff. You know, the contestant goes on, and they think they're, like, the next, like, best singer in the world, or they've got some talent. They're like, I'm so good at this. And, and like, you know, they're not. You know, they're pretty bad. And you're just watching as Simon just shreds them in front of millions of people, right? And the truth hurts. And we're all thinking, like, man, that's harsh, but it's, it's true. You know, husbands, you know that the truth hurts because maybe you've had your wife ask you, like, you know, do I, do I, does this make me look fat? Do you like my new, do you like my new haircut? Uh, you know, is she prettier than And you know that the truth hurt. You know that the truth will physically hurt you, right? If you, <laughs> kids, kids are like really honest, and it hurts a lot. You know, kids just say whatever they're honestly thinking, and it's it's hard sometimes. You know, like at camp, I have kids constantly come up to me like, "You have long hair like a girl," and I'm like, "Yeah, but like, isn't it kind of cool and fun?" And they're like, "No," and and just like, <laughs> man, like, you need to get older. And I'm just like, I don't like your face, okay? And, these kids, 
need to get older and learn how to sugarcoat the truth, which is, is, is what we do and stuff. So we're going to be looking at truth Jesus. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at some of Jesus's like savage moments where he just, uh, you know, drops some epic truth bombs. It's kind of the moment, his mic drop moments where he just says something, he drops the mic and the crowd is just like, oh my goodness, how, did Jesus actually just say that? Maybe you're new here and you're kind of like, man, they're going to be talking about like harsh intense stuff, and, and for sure, and I'm glad if you're new here that this is what you're hopping in on, because at FPC, we don't want to be a place that sugarcoats the gospel. We want, to, we want to give you the real raw teachings of what we call the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is, because here at FPC, we're not offering like mundane, cheap religion. We're, we're offering what Jesus offers, and that's, that's a calling. That's, that's a movement that you can be a part of, something bigger than yourself, something that's so good, and Jesus' truth is harsh, and it hurts, but it's so good for us. It's kind of like when I go to uh, get a massage, like I want to feel like I'm about to die, like on the brink of death, they're going so hard. And, you know, and the end result is that, you know, a few days later, once like my bones heal and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, that massage was awesome, you know? And it's kind of like Jesus's truth. It's this deep tissue massage that it, it hurts. And one of the reasons it hurts is because it calls us to great sacrifice a lot of times. He says stuff and it's like, I would have to change my life, my worldview, my beliefs to do that. But one thing I know, and I think the Bible would reflect as well, is that most really great things in life come as a result of real sacrifice. Most of the best things you have in life are the result of at least some degree of sacrifice. Like if you're married, you know that marriage requires a lot of sacrifice. Talcy and I, we've been married for just over eight years now, and you know, it's required a lot of sacrifice, our marriage throughout the years. But I've made those sacrifices, and I'm happy to let you know that it's been the best eight years of Talisi's life. So it is totally worth it to make these sacrifices, and that's kind of what we're going to be looking at. I want you guys, we're going to hop into Luke 9, 57 and 62. It's going to be on the screens. It's in the FBC app, but also if you have a Bible on your phone or on like paper, uh, you can feel free to follow along as well if you would like. So we're going to read this. What we're going to do is, I, when I read the Bible, I like to imagine that I'm there and, and how I would process that. So I want to do something a little different than normal FBC-esque uh, stuff that we would do. And I want to invite you guys to just imagine that you're there. And when someone says something really savage or harsh, you know, what do you do? You turn to the person beside you and you're like, man, that was really, that was really harsh, like savage, you know. And so I'm going to get you guys to say stuff to your neighbors. And, and not like one of those like crazy southern gospel churches that's just like, Turn to your neighbor and be like, I am washed and sanctified, but I'm not going to do anything like that or anything weird like that. And this is one time thing. So I'm going to get you guys, uh, first service did a pretty good job, but I think you guys can, can beat them. So Luke 9, 57. Uh, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, him being Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. I want you to turn to one of your neighbors and just say, shot fired. Not bad, not bad, also not great, okay? You have two more chances. He said to another man, Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. So this time, like you're in the crowd, watch this happen, turn to your other neighbor and say, shot fired. Well, that was way better, all right. All right, that was good. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So I want you to decide which of your two neighbors is better looking and turn to them and say, shot fired. Okay? <laughs> I just watched a married man turn to the man beside him instead of his wife. Okay? 
Single guys, I just want to say you're welcome because I just set, like, I set this up on the tee for you. After service, you, know, you notice I turned to you the second time there? So, okay, uh, so that is a gift to you. Okay, why don't we pray and we're going to hop into what this text means for us. God, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you that even though your teachings are hard and they call us to sacrifice, that they're so good for us and that you are such a good God and that your news is good news, God. Please help us as we look into scripture, and I pray that you would just speak to our hearts this morning. God, we love you so much. Amen. Awesome. So we're going to look at these three different guys that interact with Jesus, and then uh, I've come up with a bit of a takeaway from each of those. But first of all, I want to ask you guys, maybe, maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't heard, but earlier this year there was this big event that happened, maybe you caught it, it's called the Winter Olympics, it happened in February, like the whole world was watching. If you hadn't heard about it, it was a pretty big thing. Uh, Canada won like 29 uh, medals, which is like more than Russia for sure, um, this last go, so <clears throat> shot fired right there. <clears throat> but uh, Olympics to me are really interesting because it's like when the whole world stops and watches sports together, but all, almost all the sports are sports that no one actually cares about, right? You know, you got friends like, I got to get home, I PVR table tennis, and right once that's over, you know, badminton is on, and then I'm going to stay up to like 3, p- 3 a.m. in the morning, or 3 a.m. in the morning because uh, archery is on, I go watch the archery semi, and you're like, what? Who cares? You know, like, archery? The Winter Olympics, <clears throat> this is the one that gets me the most, the biathlon. You guys know what I'm talking about, the biathlon? Like, <clears throat> what happened? You know, a few years ago, I, I picture a couple guys in Switzerland who they cross-country ski together on the regular, and they're, they're cross-country skiing around. And one day, one of the guys says to the other guys, he's like, hey, you know what? Like, I've just been thinking. This is so much fun, and I love cross-country skiing with you guys, but I've just been thinking that, like, there, there could maybe be, like, another level to this. You know, like, this could be more intense or epic, you know? And one of his friends like, I know, I've been thinking the same thing, and here's what I've been thinking. We got these mountains. We're in Switzerland, you know? The Alps, we can... Maybe we should, like, take our skis up the mountain and, like, use gravity and go really fast down the mountain. And the guy's like, yeah, you know, like, that's, that sounds kind of cool. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that's quite. He's like, okay, I know. We could, like, build jumps, do, like, backflips. He's like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, it needs something more. He's like, maybe we could, instead of two, like, long skinny ones, we could, if we wanted to look way cooler, we could turn into one wide one and stand sideways on it, and we'd be way cooler than those. No, but he's like, no, you know, I have another idea. Those are decent suggestions, but I have another idea. What if we got guns? And the other guy's like, yeah, I'm listening. This is awesome. Who are we going to shoot at, you know? And they're like, all right, we're going we're to get guns, and, and we're going we're gonna to take them cross-country skiing. The guy's like, okay, so we're going to be ripping around and firing shots. He's like, well, no, he, hear me out. We're going to take a gun, grab like five bullets, cross-country ski on flat land for like 20 kilometers, and then like twice in the middle of that, we're going to stop completely motionless, lay down as still as we can, try to stop our breathing, and shoot at some targets off in the distance that no one can see. It's like, yeah, that's what makes it more intense. Like, what kind of an event is this? You know, like, I, I think it was just the makings of like the original Scandinavian drive-bys, you know? And, <laughs> but the crazy thing is, like, the whole world is watching the biathlon. Like, who cares? You know? Um, I was at... Uh, my friend Neil's house, and a guy up here singing, and if you don't know him, and we were, we were hanging out. It was one of the many kids that exist uh, birthdays. I don't remember which one, but uh, the Olympics were on, and we're watching the Olympics, and it's snowboarding, slope style, which is arguably more interesting than a lot of the other events and stuff. Um, and uh, we're watching it, and I don't want to mention any names, but one of my other friends was there, and we're watching, and his wife's like, hey, you know what? The kids are getting tired. We should go home. He's like, yeah, but like slope style's on. It's the finals. And she's like, yeah, I know, like, we should go, like, the kids. And he's like, babe, 
I gotta watch Slope Style, you know? And, I'm th- yeah, and, 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 and like I said, I don't wanna mention any names, but eventually she's like, Barry, we need to go. <laughs> And there's this fight about, he's like, slope style is so important to me. And I'm like, Barry, you haven't watched snowboarding slope style in four years. All of a sudden the Olympics are on and it's like the most important thing. It's more important than, and it's like, this is crazy. But we do that. And we do that when a lot of, when things are going well and, and there's a lot of people involved, uh, there's this bandwagon effect. You know, we just start jumping on the bandwagon. Lots of sports fans around here don't know what the bandwagon is because, you know, teams like the Oilers and stuff don't have bandwagons because things... <laughs> are never going well. But when things are going well and there's a big crowd following, uh, you know, people jump on this bandwagon. This is what's going on with Jesus. You know, first like seven, eight chapters of Luke, things are going really well. Jesus is doing amazing things. And he's got this huge crowd that starts amassing and they're following him everywhere. There's this huge bandwagon. You know, he's going around. He's like healing people miraculously. Like deaf people can hear, blind people can see. He brought some dead people back to life. He took some kids lunch and fed like five thousand people with the lunch. He walked on water. There's this one time where he's in the boat, and, and people must be talking about this like crazy. He's in a boat. There's this crazy storm. He comes up on deck. And he says, yo, storm, chill, and just, boom, calm. It's crazy. Of course, Jesus has this big crowd following him. There is n- literally no one like him on planet Earth, and he's got this huge bandwagon, and, and this is like, you know, for his marketing team, this is amazing. You know, if he's got like a booking agent and a manager, they're thinking like, this is so good. Things are going so well. Like, soon we're going to be able to book him at the Coliseum, like, in a good way, and we're going to be able to sell the place out. And it's amazing. But all of a sudden, something shifts in Luke 8, Luke 9, and Jesus looks at this bandwagon crowd, and he's just like, he, he, he's, he's just like you know, this is just a crowd. This is a bandwagon of, of fans who don't really care. These are consumers who are just here when things are good, when I'm handing out free food or when I'm healing people or, or, or things are, they like the grace Jesus. But he realizes these aren't contributors. And Jesus starts building uh, his kingdom, which eventually is called the church. And he's saying, this is a place for contributors, not consumers. You know, if you're just here or you're following Jesus just for what you can get, you're missing out on what it's really about. And Jesus calls his followers to be contributors. He said, follow me and be part of this movement. It's so big and it's so amazing. And so something crazy happens. He starts thinning the crowd. He starts saying things that starts calling the crowd. And maybe some of you have done this on like social media, like on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. You're like, you know, I, I, I never talked to this person or I don't even know who these people are. This person just was like someone I graduated with 10 years ago that added me to try to sell me some of their products or something like that, you know. And so you go through and you start deleting people and removing. And this is kind of what Jesus starts doing. He starts saying some crazy things. In Luke 9, uh, like 22, Jesus predicts that he's going to die in like a brutal way for the first time. And like 20 verses later, he predicts that again. And Jesus' like PR team is like, dude, like this isn't good for business. Like what are you thinking? You're telling people you're just going to die in a brutal way? That's not going to help your following. And then something really crazy happens in uh, Luke 9, I, th- I think like 23. After Jesus predicts his death the first time, he says, if you want to be, uh, be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, then you need to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Wow, like talk about shots fired. This is brutal. Jesus' marketing team at this point is just like, delete, delete. You know, like if you could imagine nowadays like a celebrity or politician, hypothetically, who's like posting inflammatory things on Twitter and stuff like that, and his PR team's like, we need to take, give us your passwords. We're taking that down. And Jesus' disciples must just be like, are you crazy, man? Look at these thousands of people following you. 
And Jesus says, I'm not looking for a bandwagon. I'm looking for people who are part of this movement, who aren't consumers, but are contributors, who are in it to win it. And so I want to look at these three shots fired and break them down. And I think each one offers us a, a decent takeaway that we can apply to our lives now. So we'll start in verse 57. And don't worry, I'm not going to get you to talk to your neighbors anymore. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I will follow you wherever. I will follow you anywhere. He's, he's coming up to Jesus and he's saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you absolutely anywhere. And how does Jesus reply? He says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man, Jesus, has no place to lay his head. So here's the situation. The guy's like, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. Anywhere I'll follow you. And what's Jesus' response? Dude, I'm homeless. I don't have a house. I don't have a bed. See these foxes and these birds? They've got it better than me as far as accommodations go. See, what's going on here is Jesus realizes that this guy comes up, and he makes this big, bold statement. This guy comes on strong, and he realizes that this is just lip service. This guy says, I'll follow you, like, anywhere. And, and what happens a lot of times is I think we think about our faith in terms of the spectacular, how we follow Jesus. We think about it in, like, the big or the important or the spectacular, and I think Jesus looks at it in terms of the normal. And here's what I mean. I think a lot of times we're like, you know, Jesus, we, we hear about like these uh, horrific events like school shootings where a shooter has a gun out and they, they're pointing it at someone and they're saying, you know, do you believe in Jesus? And if the people say yes, they pull the trigger. And, and you've heard about these things. And people, you know, a lot of us say, I would never deny Jesus in that situation. I would say, yes, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus and I would take that bullet. But... Every day at school and every day at work, we deny him through our actions or our lack of words. You know, we don't talk about his goodness. We don't share our story. We don't, we don't, we don't act like we are following the creator of the universe who is full of grace and truth. See, this guy, I think he's saying to Jesus, like, you know, Jesus, when you're feeding the 5,000, I'm there, you know. When, when you're walking on water, P Peter might fall in, but I'm going to walk, you know. And Jesus is saying, man, like, I want the everywhere. I'm not just looking for the anywhere. I want the everywhere. I want the normal moments of your life. For most of us, our lives aren't full of spectacular moments. Most of our lives are full of day-to-day -day moments that are really normal and routine. And that's what Jesus wants. He wants the everywhere. He doesn't want the lip service of, oh, you know, I'll go do this crazy mission strip or on Sunday I'll do. He's like, I want to be with you everywhere. It's not like Jesus is like, hey, when you go to your hockey game, you go to a sports game, when we get there, I'm just going to chill in the car and you go do your thing. I'll just wait. Jesus, that's not Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be on the ice with you. I'm going to be in that with you. Your business meeting, work, school, when you're hanging out with the girls, when you're hanging out with the guys, I'm there. We're there together. The normal day-to-day -day situations. Jesus wants the everywhere. He's not, consider, he's not concerned with the anywhere, the spectacular, the big, these shiny moments. Jesus is saying, when you lay your head down at, at night, I want to be there with you. I want you following me in that moment. And that's what he's getting at with this dude. He's saying, dude, you're saying that about these big things, but tonight, if you follow me, you're probably sleeping in a field somewhere. Is, is, is that good enough? Is that what you want? For a lot of you, you, you've decided at some point in your life to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe there's a moment when you prayed, or maybe there's a season in your life where you kind of made this decision. You're like, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. And, and that's a step. 
And it's by far the most important step you ever take in your life. But it is one step in a journey where you continue to take steps following Jesus. To follow Jesus means that when Jesus goes, you go. When he comes, you come. When he leaves, you leave. When he jumps, you jump. When Jesus performs an amazing miracle, well, then you just watch and you say, oh my goodness, Jesus, you're so amazing. But you're there because you're following him everywhere. Not just in the quote-unquote anywhere. The spectacular that we think of, these crazy moments. If you're here and you haven't decided to follow Jesus, it is the most significant step you can take in your life, and I would love to talk to you about that afterwards. This guy comes up to Jesus. He says, the highest mountaintops and the lowest valleys, I will follow you there. Clearly, this guy wasn't from Saskatchewan. But, and then Jesus looks at me and says, what about the normal elevation? You're every day. You're everything. I want, to be, I want the everywhere. And I think the takeaway from this guy is that uh, you can't follow Jesus anywhere unless you first follow him everywhere. If you've got a bulletin or the app notes, you can fill these in as we go along. What we can assume moving forward, there's no mention of a 13th disciple, is that this guy heard Jesus say, dude, I'm homeless. And he wasn't interested in the everywhere. He wanted to be on stage with Jesus and he wanted to be part of feeding the 5,000, but he wasn't interested in everywhere. Verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. So this isn't like, this guy didn't even come up to Jesus. Jesus is just straight up like disciple calling style. He's like, you follow me. Calls this guy out. But he replied, Lord, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. You read this like, oh, sweet. This guy's in. It's like, Jesus, I'm in. I'll follow you. Just quickly first. I've got a funeral. But other than that, you know, I'm in. And, and you think that's great. You know, a funeral, that's like total trump card over anything, right? You know, your boss is like, we have a really important meeting on Thursday. You say, my dad died and I have a funeral. What's your boss going to say? It's not going to be like, oh, you're fired. He's going to be like, oh, I'll buy you flowers for missing work that day, you know? It is a trump card. Like, but this is what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their own dead. Is that even possible? You know, is Jesus like, here's a shovel. Go find a corpse, hand it to the corpse, and say, hey, can you deal with my dad? You know, I, I have something else to do. Like, how insensitive is Jesus? Jesus would not exist in 2018 North America, right? Saying stuff like that. Now, scholars disagree about the meaning of this a little bit, but a lot of scholars believe that what's happening is the dad isn't actually dead yet. And this guy's saying, hey, Jesus, I'm going to go finish off the end of my dad's life with him, take care of him. The, guy might be close, the dad might be close to death. He might not be. He might be healthy. I'm going to finish off his life with him. And then when he's dead, I'm going to take care of the funeral, bury him, uh, collect the inheritance, kind of be there through that process, and then I'll follow you. So this, this might be days, this might be... So he's saying, I'll follow you, but he's got this but first. But first, I have to do this thing. Why is he saying this? Because in their culture, in the Jewish culture, this was the normal, acceptable practice for a Jewish man to be with his father in old age, to uh, see him out of life, and to collect the inheritance, get the cash, and take care of the funeral, and then move on with life. That, that was normal. It was culturally normal. The guy's saying, Jesus, I have this thing. It's culturally normal. It's culturally responsible. It's, it's culturally, like, religious and righteous. I need to do, and this is what Jesus says. He's like, I don't care about culture. Jesus is like, I didn't come to the earth I created to get a lesson on the culture you guys have created. He said, I've come to teach, not to learn. I've come to teach you how life works in spite of what culture has taught you. Culture might say, this is what makes you good. This is what makes you responsible. This is what makes you like a real, normal, decent human being. And Jesus says, but it doesn't matter. If it doesn't line up with what I'm calling you, if it's a but first that comes before putting Jesus first, then it's meaningless. Then it just gets in the way of focusing on who Jesus is. 
This guy, he's in, but he's got this big but first. And I think the takeaway we can take from this guy is that you'll never put Jesus first if you're focused on your but first. I think we have so many but firsts in life, right? If you're anything like me, you've, uh, you've been on this workout plan for a long time called the tomorrow workout plan, right? You're like, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to eat healthy starting tomorrow, right? I've been on it for years. It's amazing. It's like way easier than most. Forget P90X. This is way simpler. But, you know, it's interesting because, and I'm not, you can do whatever you want with your diet, but, you know, a lot of us were like, I need to start eating better. I need to start doing this. And it's like, but first, you know, like we know that in four weeks it's Thanksgiving, right? So it's like, well, but first I'm just going to get through that because it'll be really tough. We'll have lots of food, all that. And then come after that weekend, I'm going to, then I'll, then I'll start eating healthy, right? But then Thanksgiving happens and what happens then? You're like, well, in 24 days, it's Halloween, right? It's like, I, I can't do this right now. Like next Halloween, I won't eat candy, but this, this Halloween, I'm going to send my kids out to go gather candy and bring it back and, um, and all that. And then Halloween happens. Like, oh, Christmas is coming up. You know, I love Christmas baking. You know, my grandma, actually, I will let you guys in on a little secret of my life. My grandma, uh, she's not around more, so I'm allowed to say this, okay? I'm sad she's not around, but my grandma was amazing in some ways, but her Christmas baking was actually not good. Okay, you could confirm that with Talcy. We'd come at Christmas. She's like, I made all this stuff. And we're like, oh, cool, thanks. I, you know, <laughs> wish you weren't of. Um, but <laughs> it's like, can we just have the cash you spent on it? But you know, you, you have these but first. And I'm, I'm not here advocating for eating healthy or whatever that, but that's how we look at Jesus. And we do have so many areas of our lives. You know, most of us think it's good to be generous, to take care of those who are in need, to contribute to things. And, but a lot of us are like, you know, I want to be generous. I want to be more generous. But first, I need to make a bit more money. I need to pay down my mortgage. I need to set, like, my neighbors have these things in place. I should have that in place. I, I, I should take care of these things financially. I need a raise. As though that's going to make it easier, right? You know, we're like, I, I want to spend time reading the Bible or serving at church or, or praying or spending more time with God. But first, like, I just have so much homework. I need to keep my grades up. Or I need to do this thing with work or, you know, I, I'll go, go watch my sports or, you know, my shows or, or, or whatever. I got to do this thing at work with my... We have so many but firsts. And the problem with but firsts is that the longer that you live in your but firsts, the harder it is to detach from those. Like for the food thing, it's not like the more you eat delicious, enjoyable, unhealthy food in your life, it's not like it gets easier to give it up, right? Or, or with, with generosity, that example, it's like if right now you're living just enjoying the luxury of what you have and you get more money, it's not like you're all of a sudden going to be like, and you continue to enjoy the luxury. It's not like you're all of a sudden going to be like, okay, now that I've enjoyed so much luxury, I, I just don't want it anymore. No, it's addictive. We want it. And the more that we put off putting Jesus first and we indulge in our butt first, whether they be noble things or bad, good things, bad things, whatever, the more we let those things come first, the more that we prioritize our butt first, the more impossible it becomes to put Jesus first. And Jesus demands to be first. Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's first. And that means sometimes maybe your grades slip a bit. Maybe you, maybe you take a pay cut at work because you're like, you know, I just can't maintain this while doing what Jesus calls. There are sacrifices. I mean, this isn't Jesus not calling us to make sacrifices. Verse 61, third dude. Still another said, and I want to say quickly, I hope for this guy's sake I mean, this has been written down for a couple thousand years. I hope for this third guy's sake that he's in the back of the crowd having a side conversation and didn't just hear these other two guys. Because if he did, he's an idiot. You know, for a couple thousand years, he goes down and is like, are you kidding? This guy said this after, okay. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. 
That is extremely reasonable, right? Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I just want to, my mom's going to miss me. I just want to go say bye, grab some snacks, not Christmas baking, uh, and, and I'm going to follow you. That's it. That's, that's reasonable. But I like to imagine how that conversation goes. Dude goes home. His family's there. He's like, hey, guys, let's have supper. I've got some exciting news to share with you. Sits down around the table with them. This is hypothetical. I mean, this is not in these two verses, but sits down with them. He's like, guys, I want to share something really exciting with you guys. I'm kind of making a career change. I'm, I'm, I'm switching things up. I'm doing something different. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? That's, that's cool. That's great. He's like, you know what? I've decided, um, like Jesus asked me to follow him, and so I've decided to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. You guys have heard of Jesus of Nazareth? His younger sister's like, yeah, I got the T-shirt, you know? And they're like, he's a big deal. Of course we've heard of him. And they're like, but they start asking some questions because they're curious. Like, well, what are you going to be doing when you're following Jesus? What's a disciple, a follower of Jesus do? He's like, well, you know, actually, I don't, Jesus didn't, like, print off a job description and a job manual, but I think, like, we go around and we, like, tell people about faith and we're going to learn about faith. And, like, I I think he, like, drives out demons and does miracles. Like, I don't don't totally know. We're going to be traveling and and, and doing stuff. Like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like, how much does it pay? He's like, well, you know, I, his followers don't look very rich. It seems like when they get money, they actually just give it away. They don't really keep it. And Jesus doesn't seem like they have much. So I, I don't know. I didn't ask, but it feels inappropriate, like, at the first job interview to ask, you know. So I kind of thought I'd wait. And so then they're like, oh, okay. They're starting to get a little concerned. Like, where are you going to stay? Yeah, interesting question. I hadn't really thought about that. But, like, you know, like four or five verses earlier... Jesus did tell this guy that he's homeless, that it, we're actually going to have worse accommodations than foxes and, than, and birds. So I, I don't really, yeah, I don't know. So his parents are like starting to wonder. They're like, well, you know, like what's going on? Like, is this safe? It's like, I, you know, actually, to be honest, like a couple days ago, he said he's going to die and the people who follow him take up their cross. I mean, as a parent, you can imagine. You know, your kid, your kid comes home, your young adult kid, and they're like, hey, you know what? I got this new job. I don't think it pays well. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going to stay. It's probably not safe. I mean, these are like all the green lights of parental advice, right? You're like, oh, yeah, like go for it. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it's tough for people to be followers of Jesus, and it's tough as parents. You know, when, we're, when we think about the safety and the well-being, and, and as we get older, we become more skeptical and critical and cynical. And, and, and in some ways, that's good because we can balance some things. But our kids and our young adults, they're idealists, right? They get an idea, and they're like, I need to do this. And sometimes we know, you know, that's not, but I, I think as parents, we need to do a better, better job of embracing that and empowering them and letting that fail a little bit. Rather than just skeptically saying, you know, I don't know, maybe we should rethink that and spend a few years thinking about it and then eventually just never try it. A few years after I graduated, I decided I wanted to spend years touring in a rock and roll band. And um, my parents were very supportive, but I imagine for them this was tough, you know? Like, I imagine they're at least part of them thinking, you sure you don't want to, like, make something out of your life? Like, do something? Like, get, get a job or an education? I don't know. That'd be tough for them. And for parents, it's tough, Right? Kid comes home, hey, mom, dad, I want to, like, start giving all my money and possessions away. Mom, dad, I want to go on a missions trip with the church. Well, is it safe? You you know, like, how much does it cost? And maybe it isn't safe. Maybe it's expensive. But I think we need to do a better job with our kids and our teenagers and our young adults of first embracing the fact that they want to follow Jesus in an extreme and real way. And we can figure out some of the deal. I mean, we can talk money and stuff like that. We can figure that out. 
But sometimes maybe what Jesus is calling you into isn't that safe or isn't that reasonable or isn't that comfortable. You know, I can imagine that the conversation continues on around the, around the table and the parents are just like, yeah, you know, we hear what you're saying. Sounds like a pretty interesting job. They're thinking in their minds, they're like screaming. They're like, this is crazy, you know. And they're like, this, this seems interesting. But, you know, you do need to think about your future. You know, do you want to have a family? Think about how comfortable and safe it's been here. You have a roof over your head, a bed to sleep on. Things are good. You're making money. You can carry on the family business one day. Dad's already set aside like three goats he can buy you a wife with. If you want, we can put a couple more goats, maybe get you a couple wives or like, you know, a better wife. I, I don't know. I don't know how much you get for some goats back in first century Middle East. Like, it's pretty good here. Carry on the family business. You can make money. You can provide for your family. You can do the normal, comfortable, safe thing that every single other person is doing that Jesus came to earth to say, this isn't cutting it. We think that when we bury our father or that when we provide for our family, that's the righteous and right and noble thing to do. And some of those things are good, but Jesus says you can't muster up enough righteousness in and of yourself to make a difference. The only righteousness that will make a difference is what you can get from following me. So Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I would imagine that this guy's family, they say, you've had it good here, you've had it safe, you've got money, you've got food. They start drawing his attention to the things in the past that have brought him pleasure and comfort and safety and stability. And they say, think about what you have here. Think about your past. And as he thinks about the past, as he looks back from the plow, so to speak, he doesn't know what Jesus has for him in future. And I think the takeaway from this dude is that if you won't let go of your past, you will forfeit the future Jesus has for you. Jesus isn't just sadistically calling us to sacrifice and embrace hard truths because he likes to watch us suffer. When Jesus calls us to sacrifice, it's because what we're going to sacrifice is going to be replaced with something so much better. He offers us a future that's beyond what we could ever hope for or imagine or muster up on our own. And ultimately, this is what the series is about, this third takeaway. is letting go of the things that you think bring you security and pleasure and interest and joy and whatever. And trusting Jesus at his hard truths that he has something so much better for you in the future. Jesus seems pretty unreasonable in these statements. Like, no, you can't go say goodbye to your family before you take off on a mission that might cost you your life. Come on, that's, that's reasonable to go say goodbye to your mom, your dad. But the thing is, is that Jesus looks through these guys' words and he sees their hearts. A few weeks ago, I went to get some cavities filled in. And uh, I'm really bad at taking care of my teeth. I'll, I'll admit that right now. So don't stand too close to me when we're talking about Like, I never floss. I brush like, I don't know, once every few years or whatever, but I'm probably a really bad role model for your kids, but I'm pretty bad at it. And every time I go to the dentist, they ask me the same question. It's like the answer isn't changing, you know? Like, how's flossing been going? How's, how are you doing taking care of your I usually just wait till they, like, have the, their hands in my mouth. So I just, so then I'm not lying, but I'm just like, they can't hear me, right? The thing is, whenever I go to the dentist, I wake up that morning and I brush my teeth like I have never brushed them before, you know? I'm getting out like a grinder and I'm just trying to like remove, like thinking that like the dentist is going to be fooled. You know, like they're going to be like, wow, you know, that early morning toothbrush that was like teeth brushing was just so good. They're going to look at my mouth and be like, wow, you, you, your teeth are amazing, can, you, can we take pictures for, like, ads? Or, no, they can see. Like, when they ask me when I, if I floss or not, that's their way of saying, we can tell that you don't floss, and we just want to know if you're honest. You know, we want to know if you're a big, fat liar. 
The God who created the universe looks through these, gods, these guys' words and he sees their heart. This guy says, I'll follow you anywhere, but Jesus says, you won't follow me everywhere. You know, the second guy says, you know, I'll follow you, but first. And Jesus says, you just, you just don't want to put me first. You've got other priorities in your life. And the third guy says, you know, I'll follow you, but let me go do this thing. And Jesus is saying, you know what, you are so blinded by the things that you think bring you pleasure that you can't see the future that I have for you. And when Jesus calls you to be his follower, he calls you. He calls you instead of like, uh, instead of looking at your past to enjoy the pleasures that, that you enjoyed before, to look to the future that he offers you. He looks to you to get rid of your butt first and to put him first. And he looks at you to follow him everywhere, in the day-to-day, at work, at school, with your family, with your friends, in the normal places. In a second, the band's going to play for us, and we're going to rock out to one of my favorite songs that we sing here at FBC, and the song is all about surrendering your life into Jesus' hands, because there's no better place for your life to be. Um, but before that, we're, uh, we're going to eat some donuts, and next week you get to hear from Doug carrying on this series. And I'm really excited for this series, so I'd encourage you guys. We've got lots of stuff about it on social media. We've got invites out at the Info Center. Grab some or share with your friends. Invite them out. I, I think this is a really... A uh, cool time to maybe just share what the gospel really is about. So bring some people out. But before we sing, just let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much for being such an amazing and loving and good God. Thank you that you love us enough to call us to hard truths and to allow us to sacrifice in order to embrace the future that you have for us. I pray as we continue on over the next five weeks that you would just really speak into our lives and help us grow in our relationship with you, God. We love you and we're thankful for the difference that you make in our lives, God. In Jesus' name, amen.